0: Cracking the Olfactory Code, up next on The Scope. Examining the latest research and telling you about the latest breakthroughs. The Science and Research Show is on The Scope. I'm talking with Dr. Matt Wakowiak a U-Star professor of neurobiology and anatomy at the University of Utah. Cracking the Olfactory Code, what does that mean?
1: The goal is to really understand how the brain figures out what it is that we're smelling. Um, what's happening in the brain when the animal smells that odor and how does that get translated into uh, some sort of perception and some sort of behavioral output.
0: Give me some examples. What are some smells that might trigger very different reactions?
1: The smell of good food or the smell of wine, right, generally triggers uh, some positive emotions, some positive responses. We want to drink, or we want to eat, right? And kind of another side of that would be the smell of uh, smoke, for example, or the smell of rotting food, right? We we get a very different sort of visceral response to that kind of odor. We want to... uh, basically go in the other direction. That's that's one of the most kind of simple dichotomies that we can make about odors. Um, but, of course, odors are very, very complex in terms of their perception, right? We There's a huge amount of, of information that we take out of out of odor beyond just good and bad.
0: Why do you think it's important to, to kind of understand this
1: code? Just in terms of using this as a system to understand how the brain processes information, uh, I think it's really important to understand olfaction. Um because it's so complex as a as a sensory problem, it's very different from almost any con- other sensory modality, for example, vision or touch or hearing. Um, simply because we're actually detecting molecules from the air, they come in a huge range of different structures. They're not organized in a very clear way, the way light, for example, is mm-hmm. or, or sound. Um and so it's just a very different problem that the brain has to solve, and and we don't understand much about how the brain solves that problem. So, so just as a way of getting new insights into how the brain processes complicated information, um, I think it's really important to to study olfaction.
0: Um. So give me a an, a sense of the scale of of the problem that you're facing.
1: Right. So I mean, this is this is really one of the challenges with olfaction, and and why you know it's it's one of the most complex senses and still one of the least understood is uh in mammals like uh, uh mice and uh rats and and other rodents which have very well developed sense of smell they have about a 1000 receptors it's actually the largest gene family in the genome um so odorant mm-hmm. receptors um make up uh i think around 3% of the entire uh, genome wow um wow really yes wow. <laughs> But but the real problem is what we don't know, We you know, we, we can identify these genes by looking in the genome, but we actually still don't know for any given gene what odors the receptors actually detect. This is the mm-hmm. major problem. And so that's one of the goals of uh, our group is to actually do what's called deorphanization, which is to identify for every receptor what are the odor molecules that that receptor best detects. And it's been a really hard problem just for technical reasons. And so, you know, uh, one part of our group uh, has really made some important breakthroughs in the last couple of years in terms of being able to screen receptors uh, for many, many odors and identify the, the odors that are activating particular receptors. So that's one important part of the project.
0: And it's, it's probably not, I imagine it's not that there's one odor for one receptor.
1: So the receptors can be activated by many Odors. Another big part of this problem is that there are so many potential odors out there in the uh, environment. I mean, you know, the number of number of compounds that smell that we can smell um, is easily in the thousands. Um, There have been some estimates that are orders of magnitude higher than that, in the millions, and that's debatable. But um, the number of compounds that uh, that are volatile. That receptors might be able to detect is huge, and so you know another kind of ambitious part of this project is to really screen a, a fairly large number of compounds. We're going to screen a thousand different odors um, across the, all of the receptors. So the goal is to first kind of deorphanize all the receptors using this panel of a thousand odors, um, and so then we will we'll have for a given receptor not just not just you know one compound that might activate that receptor or one odor, but we'll be able to make a give a sort of a spectrum or a tuning curve. So this odor works better than the other odor. Uh-huh, and see. we can kind of put those in a in a, um, a a response spectrum is what we would call it.
0: But you're taking it beyond that as well.
1: But we need to know how does the brain process that information and what does that code look like as we get into the brain. And so, you know, one goal of, of what we're going to work on is to then be able to assign the identity of the receptor to the glomeruli in the olfactory bulb, and, and we can... Um, do this in the intact animal, um, you know, we have ways of with, using uh, imaging approaches where we can literally look at, at uh, fluorescent proteins that are expressed in these cells in the brain. We can look in the intact animal and watch activity happen, basically, with uh, with imaging. And so then we can kind of follow what happens as we go from, from the sensory neurons into this first Stage of the brain,
0: and are you tracking behaviors as well? Like what? Um...
1: Yeah, so this is another part of the project right now. Um, you know, we can identify odors that are uh, seem to be intrinsically aversive that they the animals will avoid. A great example is the odor uh, for mice. A great example is the odor of predators. So big cats, mm. for example, um, the urine of big cats they will avoid intrinsically. Even a mouse who's never encountered a, a cat, oh, wow. right? And of course, they're attracted to uh, compounds that are coming from other mice, for example. Mm -hmm. So we can map this uh, behavior. Um, You know, we're studying the olfactory bulb. There are other, certainly the information from the bulb goes farther into the brain, into uh, parts of the olfactory cortex and a part of the brain called the amygdala, which is, um, you know, thought in many different contexts to be really important in uh, emotional responses and to all kinds of stimuli. You know, a hope would be we could uh, then... Look at a given odor, or maybe look at a given pattern of activity. Uh, look at a given receptor, even, and be able to predict what's going to be the kind of in, innate behavioral response to that, and and um, maybe even what's the pattern of activity going to look like in the brain. Right? You know, the goal is to is to understand how does the brain represent information, how does it generate behaviors, um, and you know, we need to kind of look at all aspects of that, right? And um, again, olfaction is, is one of the most important senses for driving behaviors in most animals, even in, in most mammals. Um, and so, you know, we're really trying to, trying to use that system to uh, kind of get some in- insight there.
0: Interesting, informative, and all in the name of better health. This is the Scope Health Sciences Radio.